0: It's Reshma here, the founder and CEO of Girls Who Code. Welcome to Brave Not Perfect. This season, I'm focused on small, everyday acts of bravery, things we can do to live with more joy and less fear. Each episode, we're going to try something that makes us a little uncomfortable, like belting out karaoke or trying out a new exercise class. And while these everyday bravery challenges, they have low stakes, this is important stuff. Because you know, women, we're taught not to take risks. And it starts real early. When our parents tell us to be careful on the jungle gym and not climb too high. We know from studies that little boys, they're given encouragement and they're told how to tackle these physical challenges on their own. At the same time, young girls, we're told to be cautious, to be careful, and we're given more hands-on assistance. And all of this, it's got real consequences later in life. It shapes how we think about ourselves and what we think we can do, what we think we're capable of. So coming up, I'm taking on a physical challenge, one that's haunted me since I was a little girl. But first, I wanna get a better understanding of the messages we're sending our young girls and what we can do to teach them bravery and resilience. I always say bravery, it isn't about slaying dragons and these other big, incredible acts. And it isn't. But when badass women take on these kinds of challenges, I just can't help but be in awe. And I'm a bit in awe of Caroline Paul. She's hella gutsy. Caroline was one of the first women to fight fires for the San Francisco's fire department. She's a pilot. She goes paragliding. She can even surf. But on top of all her physically brave achievements, Caroline's a New York Times best-selling author. She wrote The Gutsy Girl, escapades for your life of adventure, and You Are Mighty, a guide for changing the world. And we've got quite a bit of synergy going on. She also gave a TED talk about teaching girls bravery. So in an effort to channel some of her moxie and bravery before my big challenge, I gave her a call. So I've kind of, you know, been thinking a lot about wow, like how did how did I get so scared about physical challenges? But then at the same time, I can run the marathon, and so it's, in some ways, it feels like such a contradiction. But it is being told by my immigrant parents to kind of be careful, right? Don't get hurt. It's this fear element that's kind of this lullaby almost that plays in the back of our heads. That's constantly saying, "Be careful. Are you sure you want to do that?" And then when you break that border and you get on the other side, it feels so.
1: Yeah, the messages are really constant. You know, I, I first became interested in this um, when a friend of mine said to me that her daughter was really anxious and scared and wouldn't put her head underwater. And could I teach her how to put her head underwater? So we spent the afternoon, I spent the afternoon with this lovely, lovely girl. And she did put her head underwater. But it was interesting what I began to notice after that that, yes, yeah, she was anxious. But more than that, her parents were anxious. Most of what they said when she was outdoors that weekend was, you know, no or watch out or be careful. And there's such an implicit message in there that, you know, we're telling girls that they're just not able. And we would never consider raising our boys like that.
0: Yeah. Why do you think that is? You think it's just second? I mean, I talk about, I just feel like it's just second nature. It's the way we've been raised. It's the way we're raising our kids. Like It's not even something that we think about.
1: Well, we don't think about it, but I think when you get to the very core of it, we think we're protecting our girls when we caution them against risk. And in fact- what i believe strongly is we're doing exactly the opposite because when we caution a girl not to take these small you know risky play or small physical risks when she's young she doesn't learn all these uh, attendant lessons that on confidence and decision making and risk assessment and so you know i think we we think that the world is more dangerous for girls and young women and maybe it is but In order for us to protect them, we have to teach them to protect themselves. And that means becoming confident in their decision-making and learning about uh, risky environments that are actually not that risky. And that's why it's so great when you start a kid young on a playground. Yeah, she might skin her knee or she might even get a couple stitches, but along the way, she's learning so many lessons. And they did this really interesting study on... um, kids that go to the hospital for small, minor injuries, you know, like stitches, like we most of us do as kids. And they found that if you were a girl, your parents were way more likely to tell you, don't do that activity again. But if you were a boy, that wasn't true, you know? And these are not life-threatening activities, um, but we just feel like we're protecting our girls when we caution them. And instead, I think we're raising them to be fearful.
0: I want to talk about fun. One of the things that you talk about, it's not just, we don't want you to do these acts just because we want you to be more confident in taking, you know, asking for that promotion. But I also feel like like, girls and women, were missing out on a lot of fun and exhilaration, right? Talk about that.
1: You know, there's so many ways to test one's bravery and bravery is not just fun physical risk. Certainly raising your hand in class or speaking to the new girl uh, who you want to be friends with, all that are acts of bravery, obviously. But what I believe is that we need to put girls in the outdoors because not only are they learning these valuable lessons, but again, they're also learning fun. And with that, they're learning excitement and anticipation and all these emotions that we have to, I think, become more uh, better at, at recognizing in ourselves as girls. I think boys recognize them because they've played so hard as kids, but girls, we just don't. So I talk a lot about how, you know, fear and exhilaration feel similar physically, you know, the sweat and the little like prickly uh, hair on the back of your neck and the raised heart rate. And if you don't, if you haven't practiced bravery, Uh, or micro bravery, or risky play, you're going to think a lot of the times that you're simply scared when a lot of what you're feeling is exhilaration. And there's so much opening of your life that happens when you follow exhilaration. Mm, And excitement. So
0: I heard you tried to break a world record. What was that about?
1: Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) I um, am. That was about, um, I don't know, teen Young kid hubris, I thought that I really wanted to be in the Guinness Book of World Records because as a kid, that was a book I was obsessed with. Uh, my twin and I would just r- read that cover to cover, look at all the pictures of the person with the longest nails or the tallest person in the world. And and it just seemed like when you, if you were in the Guinness Book of World Records, you were somebody, but I didn't have any skills, you know, I had no talents. So I decided to break a record In something that didn't actually require any skill, and that was um, crawling. The record at the time was a, I think, was eleven and a half miles. Wow! When I was trying to break this record, I was I was thirteen. I had never even you know ran or walked or you know done that far, and I was trying to crawl that far. Uh, And unfortunately, I only went eight and a half miles. But that's a long way when you're crawling. That's a
0: long crawl. Yeah, it's a long crawl.
1: (laughs) And after that, um, you realize how hard it is to break world records.
0: (laughs) So no more for you? you
1: done? Well, no, but I, you know, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm proud. You know, I think failing at something like a world record is a pretty, you know, pretty important thing. It's it's something to be proud of, almost as proud as actually breaking it.
0: And you like crawled eight miles. That's crazy.
1: Like how many people have done that? um actually uh, surprisingly surprisingly many that the world record now is thirty thirty five 35 miles wow
0: thank you so much thank you reshma keep me in the loop of what you're working on and if you're in new york or if we ever want to do something together i i love everything that you've done and you know we're i feel like we're kind of so on the same page um and great. yeah i'm an can,
1: admirer great that's great i'm a great yeah. admirer
0: of you too So the first time I remember doing something that didn't come easy to me was in the sixth grade, in gym class. People were doing cartwheels. Everybody was doing cartwheels. And all the other girls, they were just doing them so easily. It's like they were like these natural gymnasts. But when it came time for me to give it a try, it was a disaster. It looked like I was playing leapfrog. And I remember after I tried, all the other kids were just laughing at me. And this one girl in particular was just sneering. And she was like, that was pathetic. I felt so humiliated. I just wanted to, like, run out of that gym class. I never tried to do a cartwheel ever again. And even today when I watch, like, my niece and how graceful she is doing her cartwheel, her handstand, there's just, like, a piece of me that, like, dies a little inside. Like, I wish that I could do that and I always thought that that was about me that was about my body that was about being clumsy when I was a kid in sixth grade I was chubby like and it's something I just wish that I could do still today at 43 it's wild so today for my everyday act of bravery I'm taking it on I'm gonna try a cartwheel I haven't tried to do one since I was in the sixth grade but I'm gonna do it today and I'm scared I know, I know. You heard me singing bad karaoke last week. But here's the thing about being brave ugh, you gotta keep doing it. Okay, let's get to those cartwheels. Wow. Okay, so we're heading to the gym, and I'm feeling super anxious. Uh, thank God I have amazing teacher who's coming with me, Laura Melly, who works with me at Girls Who Code, and she was like a famous gymnast or something. Oh, okay, competitive gymnast. There should be
2: zero expectations of getting your legs up in the air, and there should be zero expectations of landing on your feet. Okay. So zero expectations. So what is going to be? Putting your hands on the ground and kicking your legs out sideways. Uh
0: like a dance move? Like like break dancing? This is like break dancing. This is not like dancing. For gymnastics sure. is not like dancing. Yes it is. In There's fact. Nothing to do with dancing. I
2: studied dance as part of my gymnastics training. Really? Yes. I competed in dance. That is
0: true. I think the only thing I have going for me is I'm I'm short. So I'm like low to the ground. So the likelihood of injury is smaller for me. You
2: have less distance to fall, yeah.
0: We're at my gym on 14th Street. I love this gym because I feel like um, I came into my fitness in this gym over the past like nine months. Like here was the place where I whole my entire body and my mindset changed. So it's like a safe, wonderful space for me where I feel like at home and where I really push myself twice a week. feels a little safe, comfortable. I'm in my element. I'm brave, not perfect.
2: Should I show you what I can do?
3: That's
2: what I was going to ask. Okay. No judgments here. And.
3: What hurts? It's fine. Hip. You start with your
2: arms up. Okay. Like confident. Basically the things we can control out. Okay. The things we can control, we're going to do like badass. Okay. So start confident and strong. Alright. I just can't do this.
0: It's so hard. I feel weird doing it.
2: Yes! Yes. Okay. Keep doing that. Okay. Do small motions.
0: Do it again. Do it again. Don't do the whole cartwheel. Okay. Just do these small motions. Yes. That's a cartwheel. Ooh, I did a cartwheel. Yay! So exciting. Success. <laughs> Two class for me. I feel wonderful because I really almost wanted to give up, and then we shifted. I shifted my mindset.
2: And you took a small, just one small piece of it, right? Instead of the whole. Yeah. And trick as a larger piece.
0: Now I can say that I can do a cartwheel. Yeah.
2: Woohoo! You want to do one for the road?
0: Sure. This what it! Woo! I didn't feel like I would actually walk out doing a cartwheel. And it wasn't really, well, see, now I'm going to judge myself. It was a kind of sort of cartwheel. It was a real cartwheel. But not like a beautiful cartwheel. a semi, oh, a, getting into the Olympics? Yeah, sorry. You're right. I'm not exactly, I'm not trying out for the Olympics was it fun? It was so much fun. And, and you I feel Yes, and now I feel like I'm not going to be scared to try something else new that I, or something that I've written off that I can't do. Coming up, I'm talking to my friend Madam Gandhi, an incredible feminist musician. We're going to talk about physical bravery, free bleeding, and boxing.
3: She was like, "Honey, like your period is showing. And I kind of was like, fuck yeah, like bleeding from anywhere trying to run 26 miles is a punk rock move, if you ask me. Like, this is amazing.
0: (laughs) And then you've got another bravery challenge coming your way. If you're listening to my podcast, you know how strongly I feel about the importance of girls and women taking risks and not fearing failure. While podcasters Jan Black and Laura Owens They're champions of Team Brave. I had such an amazing time talking to them on their podcast, Nobody Told Me, earlier this year. This mother and daughter duo show, it's one of iTunes top 25 most downloaded new shows of 2018 and I am not surprised. Nobody Told Me has more than three and a half million downloads and I can see why. Jan and Laura talk to extraordinary people who shine light on the shared human experiences that bring us together and the common challenges that serve as catalysts for our greatest growth. And they bring the perspective of two generations as they get deeply into these conversations and they help their listeners get through life's toughest times. To find out about some of those things that nobody told you, check out the Nobody Told Me podcast. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, and wherever you're listening right now. All right. Well, I did that cartwheel and look, it wasn't pretty, but I did it. I stood up to that childhood fear and you know what? It feels really good. And God, I don't want to do this because it makes me feel so vulnerable and embarrassed, but I am posting a video of that cartwheel on social media because I want y'all to see my cartwheel. It was bad. It was nowhere near perfect. But bravery and facing your fears and taking on these challenges, it's kind of messy. And when you're all out there doing your challenges, I want you to really know and understand that just trying and putting yourself out there, that's success. It doesn't matter how it turns out because you're being brave. So you can find me awkwardly cartwheeling on the internet. I'm at Rashmisajani on all my social media, so super easy to find. And I'm hoping that watching me be really, really imperfect helps you be okay with your imperfection too. And while we're talking about letting go, I've got quite the inspiring person to introduce you to, Kieran Gandhi. She's incredible. She's been making waves in the electronic music world under the name Madam Gandhi. I love that name. Her work is a feminist act of resistance against the misogyny that we often hear in music. As Kieran says, she doesn't want to turn up to the sound of her own oppression. So she's starting to make beats on her own. now Kieran, she first made headlines for a very different reason that you might remember a few years ago she ran the london marathon on her period yep without a tampon or a pad her free bleeding during the 26 mile race it became an international story and it gave her platform to push back against the stigma around menstruation i'm so excited to have Kieran join me on the show today Tell
3: me about the day
0: of the race for you. Did you plan, you know, to be an activist that day or did it just happen?
3: I remember um, I was in my second year of business school at Harvard and I had been training that entire year for the marathon. And right at the start line, I realized I was about to be on day one of my period. And for anyone who's listening to this podcast who does not have a period – let me tell you what you're not trying to do on day one. It's go and run 26 miles um, for 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 the first time. So like any of us who have been caught unprepared on our cycle, I started evaluating my options. I remember being like, you know, a pad. OK, I don't have one. And chafing is a real issue on a marathon course. Um, I don't have a menstrual cup on me. Uh, a tampon. I didn't really want like a half in, half out situation while I was trying to run. Right. I, like running for four hours, I just didn't feel like it was an appropriate... Uh, method of taking care of myself. I also know that there's no uh, real privacy on a marathon course. You know, I didn't feel like I was going to run with an extra tampon and try to change it out on the way. So I remember being like, wow, you know, I would rather bleed freely and run this race and see what happens than use any of these products that are not appropriate for my, my body in this moment.
0: So, okay. So you're like, all right, I'm just gonna, ha- I'm just gonna do it.
3: I started to do that and. And honestly, it felt amazing. I by, by mile eight, I remember feeling like, wow, we're so told that, you know, you're going to feel terrible on your cycle and that, you know, you have to just rest and you can't do anything. And I, I had never felt more in my body than I had felt on that day. And uh, I remember this, uh, this woman kind of ran by me, almost like in a solidarity. She was like an older Korean woman. And uh, she was like, honey, like y- y- your period is showing. And I kind of was like, fuck yeah like bleeding from anywhere trying to run 26 miles is a punk rock move if you ask me like (laughs) this is amazing so i was like really on this kind of you know i just jumped for mia to the year before i was like on some real mia like punk rock type shit and, and just running um but as i was running i also realized you know I'm in a position of privilege to even make this choice for myself and my body on this day. But millions of women and girls and trans folks who bleed around the world are not in that same position of privilege. And moreover, that stigma is one of the most effective forms of oppression because it denies us the ability to talk comfortably and confidently about our own bodies. And, and so this really motivated me when I finished the race to write about this.
0: Yeah. I mean, I remember before I even knew you that seeing that picture and being like, wow, that that is so badass. Um, So I think a a lot of people heard about this, read about this, saw this. You know, when I look at that moment, I see a ton of bravery. And you're not only running, you know, a marathon, which I've run before, which already in of itself takes a lot of bravery, but you're free bleeding, right? How had you Built your confidence to get to the point that you were comfortable doing something like that? Because there's no way, there's probably been countless women before you who experienced the exact same thing either decided not to run, got the tampon, got the pad, whatever it was, but didn't decide to free blade.
3: I think it was investing in my own skill set as a runner. I think my whole life I had been told or kind of felt like I was not the athletic one in the family or the athletic one in school. And so to kind of reclaim my own power and train for this marathon was such a big deal. It was such a personal accomplishment that I think the confidence came from this idea of I'm running a marathon. Like you're on the sidelines. How could you possibly shame a marathoner? Did you ever
0: question it though, while you're running? Like when that, when that older woman came up to you and said, (gasps) you know what I mean?
3: Totally. The only time where I really felt it was my dad and brother were so supportive of my race. They happened to be in London at the time. They like printed out shirts with my face on it. Like they were like all in cheering. And so in mile eight, uh, that I had mentioned earlier I remember running by them knowing that I was bleeding and so I just like took my my t-shirt and just kind of like pulled it really down to cover um, my, my waist mm. and and to cover the part that was bleeding so that when I would run by them they would just cheer and and I would be preventing them from feeling any kind of embarrassment from being associated with me which is just goes to show how problematically deep period stigma and menstrual uh, inequity really runs like I'm running on my period uncomfortable bleeding trying to do this amazing thing while simultaneously trying to make sure that someone who's associated with me wouldn't be embarrassed on my behalf do you know what I mean it's like ridiculous it should be the opposite they should be like oh my god that's my girl like not only is she bleeding but she's running a marathon this is amazing yeah yeah
0: well, it complicates it too, like being a DSC girl, right, and being a brown girl <laughs> and all of this stuff that we internalize. Um, so, okay, I understand from like from free bleeding during the marathon, that moment really helped move, you know, the work that you're doing as a musician under uh, Madame Gandhi. How did that happen?
3: My intention was I want to take my sort of like feminist mind and go be in music so that at least I can sign artists who are making a difference in the world instead of all the kind of oppressive misogyny type acts that get signed. But when this marathon story went viral, it really shifted my perspective and showed me something way bigger. I mean, people all over the world were writing about this, reading about it. Students were analyzing it in school because school had just started up again. Like It was a whole thing on a level that I personally could have never expected. and so. I got invited to come and speak at different organizations and different women's health conferences. And obviously I wasn't equipped for that, but I would just kind of get my act together and practice and, and, and share my story. And it was then that the music really started to take shape because after I would speak, people would say, hey, you know, at our conference, would you mind performing a few songs? And I would say, I'm just the drummer for MIA. I'm just the drummer for Thievery Corporation. I don't have my own music but they would be like you have so much to say you got to start writing some of these ideas into your into your work. And so that's really when that shift started to happen.
0: So t- I want to talk about boxing, right? So you know, you're this feminist musician, you're you know, have this viral moment for free bleeding like Talk to me about how that turned into physical bravery.
3: Well, I was reading a really, you know, this guy, uh, Tim Ferriss. <laughs> mm, yep. <laughs> so this I is like Tim. real alpha bro type persona, really brilliant guy, because obviously he's very successful. Um, and he wrote this book called Tools of the Titans. And I remember reading a really interesting but yet problematic statement, which is that power in our society, if you look at like history, just comes from physical strength. That really made a lot of sense to me, because if you look at how our society is and, and patriarchy, you do have male privilege at the top dictating how the rest of society functions in relation to that privilege. And if you look at strength, that's a huge component of it. And as a kid, I remember my dad would always teach my brother and sister and I to be able to do 10 push push-ups and 50 crunches. <laughs> like no matter what, we had to always be able to do 10 push push-ups. And 50 crunches like no matter what or maybe it was just 25 crunches but he was like a hard ass so maybe it was 50. um and i think and i remember being in school and seeing that the other girls could never do push-ups they could never ever do push-ups and i was almost surprised because i grew up with that as the norm and so i think physical strength and maybe not the ability to, to inflict pain on somebody else not that aspect but just the ability to feel strong in your body, feel empowered in your own physical well-being, to not ever feel like you have ailments, to be able to feel like someone won't even approach you because they can see that you have the confidence in your body to protect and defend yourself. I think that's a huge part of sort of this new aspect of my own feminism that I've been thinking about.
0: Well, it's also like when you had said and I do this too, it's like when you said, well, I told myself that I'm not, I'm not a runner, right? I'm not a boxer. I'm not strong. I was in yoga class yesterday and watching this woman do like a handstand. I, and again, those narr- those those things we tell ourselves keep pop- popping in our head. And that's why I think it's so important to do, to do something physical because it helps rewrite that narrative for you. So has boxing done that? And are there moments when you're like when you're boxing that still feel like stressful or hard or that require kind of bravery in different ways?
3: I started just attending classes to see how I would enjoy it. And I really, really loved it. Um, it doesn't hurt that I'm also dating and fell in love with the, the first instructor who ever taught me anything. So that's been a huge part of it. Um but I think that for me, the boxing, it kind of reminds me of the way I felt about running a marathon. Like, it just feels wild. Like, the second you start doing drills with somebody else and you actually have to defend yourself about getting from getting hit in the face, it just has this, like badass raw honest quality to it and I also love boxing for the same reason I love running is you don't need like machines and like money and the works and all this fancy shit it's just like can you keep your fists up and like stay alive for three minutes like I think it's fucking badass does it help you get out of your head it helps me get out of my head that's honestly the biggest reason why I go Every time I go for boxing, then I always come home and I feel way more open channel to make stuff. You know, you've like released everything. You feel pa- empowered. You feel like your muscles are relaxed. You feel like you've gone for a shower and now, you know, you settle into the evening and then make something. It, it's just clarity. It's it's just lovely.
0: Where can we learn more about you? Where can listeners find out and hear about your work?
3: I would love if you stay in touch on Instagram and every Wednesday Wednesday, uh, we do a Spotify playlist of 30 different artists from around the world who are elevating and celebrating the female voice. And we take submissions, but we also playlist a bunch of up-and-coming folks and all the newer artists who are putting out stuff. So it's a great place to to listen to new music. And then um, I would love if in October, when I put out my new record, uh, you check it out on Spotify or Apple Music Woo-hoo. and all the, the obvious places. Yeah, that record will be called visions.
0: Ooh, I love it. That's going to be amazing. You. Thank I can't you. wait.
3: All right, well, I know I'll be buying kind of. Them. I'll send you one when I get power in what you say in what you say on
0: your voice, don't be
4: afraid. Don't be afraid
1: this power in what you say in what you say
0: The song you're hearing is called The Future Is Female by Madame Gandhi. So, it's time. It's time for your bravery challenge this week and I bet you know what's coming. It's time for you to get physical. This week, I want you to do something adventurous. Something your body isn't used to doing. Not to get into shape or or lose five pounds, but to just get your adrenaline going and use your body in a new way. Maybe your challenge is to take a new exercise class or hop on a bike and ride a mile. Maybe you go to a rock climbing gym or just take a run around the park. Or maybe you take it to a new level and sign up for that 5K you've been wanting to run or even a marathon. And I want to hear about how your challenge goes. You can leave me a voicemail at 347-76-BRAV. Again, that's 347 76 brave. You can also call that number to just ask me a question or share your brave, not perfect story. We might even share your message on the show. You can find that number in the description of this episode. In fact, I've got a brave, not perfect story to share with you right now.
4: Hi, I'm Elizabeth and I work for a nonprofit in New York. Yeah, so I'm working with some colleagues to set up an international conference that we're having. And we're setting up a panel with our colleagues from around the world. And I didn't want to have all the people on the panel being men. And originally, when I was talking about it with these two men who I'm organizing the panel with, I was just kind of talking around the issue. But then when I finally told them explicitly, you know, why I wanted to have a gender balance on the panel, they were really receptive, and then they were recommending some other women who they thought would be good. Before I said that to them, I was kind of just imagining that they might have a negative reaction and saying that gender has nothing to do with this panel. But um, yeah, it felt good when they were supportive and they were suggesting other alternative people. So that was positive. So
0: brave. I'm so glad it turned out how it did. And I want to remind you that as we continue to do these challenges, not every challenge is going to be right for everyone. So if the bravery challenge one week isn't a good fit for you, it's totally fine. Do something else brave, something that makes sense for you. Make sure to listen next week because you're going to hear a big secret about me. And as always, you're going to hear from some incredible women about their brave, not perfect journeys. In the meantime, I want to invite you to keep the conversation going at the Brave Not Perfect Facebook group, where you can connect with me and other listeners. I'm so overwhelmed by all the incredible Brave Not Perfect stories people are sharing. This community
3: is amazing. Hey, I'm Ashley, the executive producer of Brave Not Perfect. If you enjoyed today's show, one way you can be such a huge, huge help is to tell a friend about Brave Not Perfect or leave a review on Apple Podcasts. I want to give a special thanks to my partners in crime, Tanya Zapronik and Charlotte Stone, who co-produced this episode. And of course, Deborah Singer and Jenny Josephson, who help us shine brighter than the most excessive body glitter. And it couldn't be done without Gloria Noel. She not only took video of Rushma's cartwheels for your viewing pleasure, but somehow finds time in our fearless leader schedule for all of our antics by playing the most precarious game of Tetris with great skill. Thanks for tuning in. We'll see
2: you next week.